0: Uh, At least a couple of lessons. And admittedly, I am going to, I guess, invoke a little bit of leeway. And how I open this morning, I do want to stir your thoughts and your minds in a way that I think will help us to. uh, get a little deeper into the lesson our Lord Master taught in parables and he taught based on um, real life experiences that we could understand and we could draw from and so that's my intent so though I am taking a little leeway and I'll explain to you why I'm taking a little leeway at the appropriate time so it's not misunderstood what I am teaching I am doing so in, in order to stir our, stir our thoughts and stir our minds now I want you to, um, to pause, I want you to imagine for a moment a marriage with no communication between spouses, whether you're a husband, or a wife, or a child, or a parent, or a parent of a married child, or um, a grandparent, whatever the case may be, I want you to picture in your mind a marriage. And I want you to suppose that within that marriage there was no communication between the husband and wife. Allow yourself a moment to think about how strong that marriage may or may not be in your eyes. How well suited is it to stand both the joys and the great things that come in this life and the challenges and the struggles. Suppose in that relationship that there was some communication, but suppose that the only time husband and wife engaged in conversation is when somebody else hosted that conversation. It was only when someone else was guiding and directing their minds that there was a two-way transaction of information. Suppose they spent limited time with one another. Suppose they never took time to get to know what brings each other joy, excitement, what struggles they face, what displeases one another. Imagine if the only time they communicated with one another is in the difficulties of life and one of them leaned upon the other during that difficult period, then when the situation appeased or eased, they went right back into a very limited set of interaction. Imagine if one of those spouses longed to have conversation, communication, exchange the other one just doesn't seem to express interest. How strong is that relationship? How prepared is that relationship to face the struggles, the temptations, the difficulties of this life? How well prepared are they to share common joys? (laughs) How long do you think They would be able to abide together. How much do you think they want to abide together? I know. I'm simply asking your thoughts and your opinions. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2. Paul, writing to the Corinthians, Corinthians, said, I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. In Revelation 19 and 20, and maybe leading a little bit into chapter 21, we see the bride of Christ, the kingdom, the church, aligned and prepared. In Revelation 19, verses 7 and 9, let us be glad and rejoice, Give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, <clears throat> clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. And he saith unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Church, you are the bride of Christ. We pray that we have and we are preparing ourselves, making ourselves ready as we see in verses 7 and in 9. In John 1.1 we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the word was God. I took a little leeway in asking you to to consider a husband and wife. A marriage situation where there was limited communication. Because I want you to think about our prayer lives. I'm taking a little liberty in the fact that we don't pray to Jesus. And so maybe the picture of marriage isn't the best to get our thoughts and emotions centered on prayer. But I chose it because I think we can learn from it. We, we would most likely, I think each and every one of us, in all those questions I asked earlier, would hang our head. Maybe tears would well up in our eyes to think of a marriage of such, where a husband and wife never communicated. Or only communicated when somebody else led them in thoughts. Or only turned to one another in times of trouble and then forgot each other. I use that illustration to stir your thoughts and minds because Christ is aligned with with God. There is nothing that God willed that Jesus would not do. There is nothing that Jesus asked that if it were in God's will, he would not grant. Christ said that they were one. John said that the word was God. He is a part of the Godhead. John 10, 30 says, I and my father are one. That is our master. What he thinks, I think. What he does, I do. I follow what he shows me. John 5 and verse 30. I can of my own self do nothing as I hear I judge, as my judgment is just because I seek not my own will but the will of my Father which hath sent me. And the psalmist in 145.18 said, The Lord it is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. Sean, that's what I wanted you to read, and I couldn't find it. God is close to those who will call upon him. Church, if you're the bride of Christ, how well do we invoke the privilege of, And the blessing of being in constant communion with the Father. I suppose there is somewhere, and maybe in this audience, I don't know, you know, I don't know. But there is somewhere that somebody who is in the body is listening to this conversation, and that is reality. My time in prayer with God is when we do it here in worship assembly. I pray that's not the case with any in this congregation. I don't suppose it to be. But I would say it is possible, yea, maybe it is even likely, that within the church that is reality. We know it is so within the world. Because God is far from the world's mind until, until that moment of fear or challenge. And then it's please pray for me. Or oh my God. It ought not to be so for the church. If that's not a good illustration. Everybody in this room has been a child at one point. Some of you have raised children. Think of that relationship either as child or as parent or both, for those of you who have been both. Teenage years are difficult years, sometimes, for parents and children to communicate. From a child's point of view, you just don't understand what I am facing. You don't understand. You don't accept my feelings. I don't know how to communicate to you. And so oftentimes as children, we pull away. We get quiet. We don't want as much interaction maybe as we have in the past. And as parents, we see and we feel that. We don't understand. We want that exchange. Maybe sometimes we want too much. And those years can be difficult. Those words that we use flippantly. You don't care. You don't know. I hate you. I'm not going to talk about it with you. Those cut like a knife to our parents. They cut like a knife to parents. But it's because oftentimes it's difficult for us to engage in communication. I assure you, having been on both sides from my perspective, I understand how my mother wanted that exchange. and. How I felt at times, and how we weren't communicating. And I can apply that to my thoughts and my reasoning as I study and I think about prayer. God longs to have a relationship with me, He shows His blessings unto me. He has granted so much to me, both in physical things and in spiritual things. He has provided for me, and He longs for that relationship where I communicate to him. And what if the only time I did so was three times a week? How much love does it feel like is there? If if you were a child, and the only engagement you wanted with your parents was on Sunday and Wednesday, we can talk in a one-hour window and that's it. Don't talk to me after that. As a parent, how would that feel? doesn't feel right. We know it. I hope everybody in this room says, that sounds horrible and that sounds awful, but that's not me. Then that lifts my heart. And that's good, because I don't want you to just cling on to that, that negative um, side of this or maybe those negative thoughts I want us to cling to the fact that prayer is our Avenue of communication to God and he desires it and it's constantly available I want you to put those negative thoughts aside for a moment now and suppose suppose an environment suppose a situation that you are in or it could be fictitious I don't care A scenario that would invoke a lot of emotion for you, positive or negative, what would that scenario be? And how apt would you be to want to share it with somebody else? Just about every time something happens to me, the first thing I want to do is I want Carolyn to know. You will never believe what happened. You will never believe what so-and-so said to me. You will never believe what went on. You will never believe. You will never believe. Hey, I want to tell you something. Think of that scenario when you just really want to communicate back to someone you love. That means they're there for you, and they listen, and God is. In this world, come a time when that is challenged with whoever that individual is. You'll be separated at some point. Physically, maybe temporarily, maybe permanently. We'll be separated from one another on this earth. And we won't be able to have that communication, but with God that is not the limitation. He's there always for me to share those joys, my thankfulness, my struggles, my fears, my wants, my desires, what I want for others. I have an avenue at any moment's notice, any time of day or night, to be able to go to him and to approach his throne. That is also beyond what we probably, truly fathom and understand. It doesn't matter when. It doesn't matter what. As a child of God, he is there and ready and will listen. Now, Jimmy said it in class. The answer may come different than what we expect. Because he he knows what's best for us. But just being able to communicate and express to him is an awesome 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 blessing and that's what i want to spend a little bit of time considering prayer as a child of god we have an awesome blessing in prayer with that blessing comes responsibility and expectations biblical responsibility and expectations I heard it said somewhere before. I have no idea where I got this quote from. I am recycling this. I think I preached this here almost a year ago if I remember what my notes said, but not to the way it is laid out and not to this extent. But I heard it stated and I quoted here. wish I could give a reference to someone. As children of God, no matter how diligently we strive to please him in all other responsibilities, if we fail to pray, We fail. It's an act of worship. God expects it and wants it out of us. And if we don't invoke it, we can do everything else. And yet, we fall short. Prayer is, I say it once, prayer is an act of worship, but prayer is an ability to express myself to God. Prayer is a pathway for me to offer praise, adoration, and expressions of love to God. Prayer is my pathway or my ability to seek guidance, direction, help for myself, supplications to God, solicitations for others. And so my goal before us, each and every one of us, is to spend some time thinking about this awesome blessing we have in prayer. And through the lessons, I hope, we'll gain a deeper understanding of what prayer is. Maybe we all are very, very comfortable with that already. So be it. Second, I hope it helps us to appreciate more the great blessing of prayer. And maybe we already hold that as an awesome blessing. Maybe we'll understand it even more. I hope that it will teach us how to pray more effectively. That's my desire. And ultimately, I guess, I am looking for it to stir up something within us that will make our prayer life deeper and more consistent. Maybe it can't get any deeper and more consistent. I hope that is the case. This morning I'm only going to reach my introduction. I may not even stop in a, it may not make sense where I chose to stop, but um, I may stop earlier than that. But I only want to move briefly into some of the introductions. Talk about some of the statements I just made to you. Prayer is our avenue to communicate to God through His Son. Again, I'm not advocating and I'm not teaching that because you are the bride of Christ, and I used that illustration earlier to get you thinking about communication between husband and wife, that I'm saying you pray to Jesus. But we do pray through Him as our intercessor, our mediator, the um, high priest, and our access to God. In 2 Timothy uh, 2, verses 1 and 5, It says, I exhort thee, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. We ought to be pretty busy in our prayer lives because that's a lot. Supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. We pray to the Father, through the Son, who is our mediator before God who longs to bring those things before God, who is in complete union with God, and that they are one, and they think the same, and they do the same. Hebrews 4, verses uh, 14 through 16, states, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We all want access to God's grace, do we not? How do we access the throne? How do we get to the grace that comes from God? Through the high priest. Who's the high priest? tells us that in the very beginning of that verse. Jesus is our high priest. He is our access to God. He is our mediator and our intercessor. We have, through prayer, the opportunity to communicate to the Father through the Son. In 1 Timothy 2.1, I exhort thee, therefore, uh, I exhort, therefore, that, first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. My point there was just making sure we do understand it is our communication avenue with God, and we ought to be actively engaged in prayer. Prayer is our avenue of seeking strength and help from God, whether for ourselves or for others. Ephesians 6, 17 and 18 again, and take the helmet... Sorry, not again. Ephesians six seventeen and 18. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching, therefore, with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We ought to put on that helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. And what is the strength of the Spirit? What is it that cuts asunder? What is it that pierces hearts? It's the Word of God. So pray in alignment with the will of God, with the word of God, with all supplications and then watch for your sustainment and for the supplication of all the saints. We ought to be praying for one another. We ought to be praying for ourselves for sure. We ought to be praying for our brothers and sisters that we can um, persevere through this world in alignment with God's word, doing the things he would have us to do. James 5 verses 14 through 16 is any sick among you let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord and prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up and if he have committed sins they shall be forgiven him confess your faults one to another pray for one another that ye may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It is through prayer that we have an avenue to ask for help and support and perseverance and guidance from God, and we ought to invoke it. Acts 13 and verse 3, When they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. I probably should have backed up to uh, verse 1, verses 1, 2, and 3 where God had asked that these two men be separated to go into work. And before they sent them off into whatever they were going to face, they prayed for them. What do you think they prayed? Probably what we read in Ephesians and in James. They prayed that they served the will of God. They prayed that they did what He asked. Uh, God asked for them to do. They prayed for their health. They prayed for their safety. And then they sent them on their way in God's speed. We ought to invoke God's Pray, we ought to invoke prayer to God to seek strength for ourselves and for those around us, and those that we love, and those, especially, of the of the household. Sorry, give me one second. Prayer is our avenue of offering thanks unto God. Sean read for us, Philippians 4 and verse 6, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known unto God. You probably can think of others. We will, Lord willing, we get to them, we will appropriate others to this thought. But prayer is our avenue and our opportunity to communicate unto God how much we appreciate all that he has blessed us with. This is going to be my last one this morning, so maybe this will be pretty short. Prayer is how we express our desire for something to be so. I think it's more, I compared my thoughts with, um, with, with some others in my studies here. Somebody else had advocated and, and made a point that um, prayer is, is a wish or something. I think it's deeper than a wish. It is is that which we desire to be so. In uh, 3 John and in verse 2 we see where it is stated "Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and to be in health even as thy soul prospereth. I know and recognize it says wish there but John is saying that is my desire what I wish to be so is that you may prosper and be in health. In 2 Corinthians, thirteen and verse seven, it stated, "Now I pray to God that you do no evil, not that we should appear approved, but that you should do that which is honest, though we be as reprobates." By the way, the reason I coupled these two together, you will see that same word if you were to look at, um, you will look at your lexicon, you will look at. Um, Your concordance you will see that it's the same word that is used in both of those. So in Second Corinthians, where he says, Now I pray to God that you do no evil. That is my desire, he is saying. My desire is that you do no evil, but that we all appear approved. That we should do that which is honest. And that's where I chose to end this morning as our introduction. I told you it might be a little bit awkward. I hope, Lord willing, we will get into next week a little bit more of what is prayer. We'll probably go back and reflect on just some of these ever so briefly. We'll reflect on some others that maybe prayer is not. Maybe that will help us. We'll move into how we should pray and why we should pray and how often we shall pray. And you all know many, many verses that line up with that. But I'm stuck with Paul's thoughts there in Second Corinthians. I, it is my desire that we do no evil, that we should appear approved. Not that we should appear approved. I didn't appropriate that correctly. But that you should do That which is honest. And then I think about what was written unto Timothy. And we looked at, let's just go there and read all five verses together. We already read the others without this one. Go to uh, 1 Timothy 2. 1 with me. First Timothy 2.1 I exhort therefore that first all start again. I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty for that is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between men, between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. When I think about God's plan of salvation, I think what was given there to the Corinthians and given here instruction to, uh, to Timothy or being repeated for, for Timothy's benefit. We ought to be prayerful people. We ought to be praying for ourselves. We ought to be praying for others. But we ought to make sure that we are in a right relationship with God. As Paul wanted Timothy to continue to preach and to teach and to uphold, God wants all men to be saved and to know the truth. And knowing the truth, that they would obey it. God's plan of salvation as we deliver each and every time we have opportunity is that first we have to hear the word of God. Faith cometh by hearing. And hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And also 1 Timothy 2, 4. Second, that we have to believe that which we have heard and that which we read and that which we now understand that Christ Jesus is the Son of God. John 20 and verse 31. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Repentance is a necessity according to God's plan of salvation. Acts 17 and 30 says there was a time when man's ignorance got overlooked or allowed to to briefly sustain But now commands all men everywhere to repent. We have the full and complete word of God. We can study it. We can know that which is approving unto God. We can know the truth. We can know God's plan of salvation. These aren't our words. These aren't the plan that we've devised. These aren't the the plan that we have gotten together and voted upon or any other means. But that we've taken from God's word and we saw other men and others follow that had salvation. And so repentance is necessary as is confession. Matthew 10:32 Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. And baptism for the remission of sins. Acts 2:38 When the crowd cried unto Peter, What must we do? statement was made, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, it's not an outward sign unto the rest of the world that i am already saved. If it is, Peter misappropriated it and he was never corrected. If it is, the Holy Spirit allowed him to put in error something which has existed and is there for our learning, for our doctrine, for our reproof. It's a necessity. Galatians 3.27 tells us that it is through baptism that we put on Christ. So if I'm to be a Christian, I have to be baptized. It's more than an outward expression. It's an expression of obedience. It is a necessity of obedience to God's plan of salvation. And we have to be willing to live faithful, striving to do that which God would have us to do in all things the work of the church revelation 2 10 says that those who uh, were faithful look forward to the inheritance of the crown of life that would include prayer but that would include many many other things that our lord and master has asked us to do that would include god's plan of salvation and to the best of my knowledge everybody here this morning have accepted God's plan of salvation, you know it, you have responded to it, you have fulfilled it. But if it were to be so, that you're not sure if you understood it, or if you obeyed it as you should have with the right knowledge of the truth, we can study through that, and we can help you with that. If you are a child of God, and you have fallen short in some way of honoring that which he has asked, To live in a way that honors him. To show through obedience that you love him and you long to be close to him. You have an advocate. You have a mediator. You have an intercessor who is waiting to plead on your behalf. You have access to the Father through his Son. And the ability to make that right. If it's of a private nature, you can take care of it. In repentance and in prayer to God for forgiveness. If it's of a public nature that is known beyond you, it has brought shame and reproach upon the church. And it should be taken care of publicly so that the statement can be made that that is not me and that is not me any longer. I have repented and I have turned. And so your brothers and sisters can help you because that's the only thing that we want. We don't want to know your faults any more than you want to share them, any more than we want to help one another to make through the difficulties of this life. And so if we can be of assistance in any way, if we can pray on your behalf, if we can offer hope unto you, if we can offer encouragement unto you, we don't offer it on our behalf. It's God's plan of salvation. We simply offer our part of helping in whatever way we can. Studying that out or going unto him and seeking things on your behalf. We'll do whatever we can. If you have need, please come forward as we stand.